Good morning, everyone. My name is Lexin. I'll be reading the scripture, Psalm 92. I'm inviting you to open your Bible and read along with me. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands and I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprouts like grass, and all evildoers flourish, and they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in a Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of the, our God. They still bear fruit in the old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is God's word. Amen. Thanks. Amen. Psalm 92 is a banger. Absolutely. It's one of the ones. It's good. So uh, my heart is full already, and now I get to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is rest and Sabbath. Uh, so get ready. I'm so excited about this psalm. Um, it's changed my life, the concept of Sabbath and rest, and I hope that today as we think about this together, it might change your life as well. So Lord, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight? You are our rock and our redeemer. And we are grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. So it turns out I've been operating under the mistaken uh, assumption that if you give people permission to rest, they will. <laughs> turns out that uh, many people find it very difficult to rest and seem to try to do almost anything to avoid it. Uh, I know this as a pastor, as a, as a leader of staff, uh, and family and in other contexts. Uh, even people who aren't necessarily working uh, too hard uh, find it difficult to rest. This is a theme I've seen over and over again. In fact, sometimes the connection there is, is particularly strong. And we can end up, end up living in this, this weird sort of middle space where we're neither actually working or resting. And we lose the time. Uh, it always seems strange to me that one of the Ten Commandments is that we rest, that we keep Sabbath, right? Why does God have to command us to rest? Why does he have to command us to rest? And the answer is because he knows us. He knows that rest is difficult for us. Now, I, I'm a pastor, and so my schedule's a little bit odd. Um, I've had people in the church say, you know, oh, it must be so nice to be able to take Friday off. 
which is my Sabbath day, uh, and it is nice. I'm so grateful for that. I've had people outside the church, and this is the more common one, say, wow, oh, you're a pastor, so you just work on Sunday. What do you do the rest of the week? Or, or, you, or how great you only have to work on Sunday. Um, and so I have to, if I'm going to talk about Sabbath and the importance of Sabbath and, and practicing Sabbath, you need to know that I'm living in the real world, right? So uh, a few things about, about my life. I have the same anti-rest forces uh, that you're dealing with that press in on my life as well. Uh, like many of you, I work long hours. I don't just work on Sunday. Um, I'm out many nights a week, sometimes, oftentimes three um, I do have Friday off, but then I put in a full day on Sunday up to 12 hours or so oftentimes, uh, 8 to 12. I have to sneak in about three to four hours of work on Saturday to really be, you know, ready. Um, and uh, if I want to have time for devotions, I got to get up at five or, or six sometime in there. Uh, and then outside of that, of course, uh, like all of you, I have, I have parents and uh, decreasing capacity there that... Uh, is part of my calling and role in this season of my life. And then I have four amazing, wonderful children who are adults and uh, get to text with them every day. Already this morning, been texting back and forth, but um, I'm blessed to be in relationship with them, very close relationship. Um, so like you, I have a million reasons not to rest, a million reasons not to take Sabbath. So I come to this text, to this psalm, which, and I love, Lexan, that you read the very beginning, the superscription, which says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. I come to this psalm just like you as somebody who has a million reasons not to rest, but after a decade plus of Sabbathing, and, and really my Sabbath came out of uh, a, a season of brokenness and burnout, um, which probably quite a bit more than a decade ago. Uh, after a decade plus of consistently Sabbathing, I feel like I've discovered, or at least I'm on the way to discovering, why God commands that we rest. Why he commands that we rest. Sabbath has become uh, an integral part, really, of who I am. Uh, and, and I don't want you to miss that blessing if you are missing it. Some of you might be on your way to, to practicing Sabbath um, and I want to tell you about the goodness of Sabbath from this text this morning. I realize I've been talking about Sabbath quite a bit from the pulpit in sort of an offhanded way, encouraging us to think of Sunday as a Sabbath, to think of this time as rest and renewal. And already this morning, I've experienced that as we've been worshiping and singing and some of the amazing things that we've been able to do this morning. So I thought as we're in this series on the Psalms, this would be a great time to really dig into what is a Sabbath. But better than having me tell you about it, I think what's, what's uh, most effective is for the Lord to tell us what Sabbath is. And that's what we have here in Psalm 92. What it is, what is Sabbath, who is it about, and how it blesses. Those are the three things. So, so what is Sabbath? Sabbath is, this is what I want to share with you this morning from this, this beautiful psalm. Sabbath is intentional stopping, focused on the Lord, leading to renewal. Intentional stopping, focused on the Lord, leading to renewal. So let's start with the first one, intentional stopping. We, we need to go back to the initial uh, instigation of the Sabbath in Exodus 20, verse 8. This is part of the Ten Commandments, and we have here the, the fourth. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, God says to the Israelites. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So a little, little sting in that one. You got to do your work in the six days that you have to do your work. Then on the seventh day is a Sabbath, but it's not just a Sabbath. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner even who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then we fast forward into the Psalms and we see Psalm 92 as an affirmation of the command that comes in Exodus 20. It is called in the superscription a song for the Sabbath to help us to understand what it is and who it's for and what are the blessings that come from it. And the first part is that we would stop. That comes right from Exodus. Uh, in six days you should do all, do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work. So stop working on the seventh day. You know, leave, as I've been saying over the last weeks, leave your phone in the drawer. Uh, keep your laptop closed if that's what it means for you to stop working. Or leave your tools on the bench. Uh, whatever it is, lay down your instruments of work on the seventh day. Uh, in place of working or doing, Sabbath is focused on being. So we want to contrast these two words, uh, doing and being. And if you were to look at most of our lives, um, I think for many of us, uh, and sort of evaluate the way we spend our time, you might say, well, those are human doings. But we are actually human beings, and so the element of being has to be larger in our lives than the element of doing. And Sabbath helps to, to bring us into that place. The Bible doesn't teach us that spiritual health comes from more doing. Spiritual health ultimately is related, is rooted in our being. Um, who we are in Christ is such a, an important understanding for us. When the Apostle Paul is writing uh, so many of the epistles, he starts off multiple chapters during which he's just explaining who we are in Christ before he ever gets to talking about what we should do. So spiritual health, wholeness, is rooted more in being than it is in doing. That's the biblical testimony. That's the beautiful message of God. The, the answers to life's pains are not primarily in the realm of doing. They're in the realm of being. And I see this reflected in this psalm, this, this sort of uh, intentional sense of being because, because of the emphasis on music. So, so look, at this, look at this with me. Read uh, 92 verses uh, 1 through 3. I'll read them again. Listen, listen to them again. It's good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work, and the works of your hands 
uh, at the works of your hands, excuse me, I sing for joy. To sing, to make music, is to sit in a particular thought for a season, right? That's what songs are. They're, they're, they're causing us to, to be with a particular thought. They cause us to linger in it and to relish it like how we would a, 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 a chosen morsel of food. To sing a song is to sit in a beautiful thought. And we're called into that on the Sabbath, to sit in a beautiful thought. Thoughts about the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the glory of God. We'll get, we'll get to that in our next point, the focus of our Sabbath thing. But, but singing is part of the stopping. I think of uh, the Magnificat by Bach, which is one of the most beautiful pieces to me ever written. And there's this moment in the third movement where, you know, it's Mary and she's singing about um, how blessed she is. And on that word in, in the Latin, uh, the song lingers and rises in such a way that you can feel the meaning of the word coming through the music itself and, and, and underscoring it and emphasizing it and allowing you to linger in the blessedness of the word blessed. Or you could think of a, another Example, I was listening to Bill Withers last night and the song Lovely Day. Anybody know the song Lovely Day? And yeah, this, I, I, as far as I understand, this is the, this is at the end of the song, he kind of rises up and he's talking about what a lovely day it's going to be. Uh, it's a romantic song uh, when he sees his beloved. And, and, and he says it's going to be a lovely day and he holds out this note for it just seems like an impossible length of time singing the word day. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it is the longest held note in all recorded history. Yeah? Got to go listen to it. And as he's just holding out this note, you're just sitting in the idea of the lovely day. And it's just carrying you along. And I was listening to them, I had to get up and start dancing. And, because, and then the power went out, which was discouraging. But uh, it was good to that moment. Day, right? Music helps us to sit in the beauty of what is. It helps us to linger and simply to be, which is why we gather together on the Sabbath to sing songs together so that we can stop, we can put down our tools and we can just be. A being is, is a challenge. I'll talk about this in a moment in our world. Uh, being is a challenge, so we need one another to help us just to be. Isn't it so much easier just to be when the other people around you are just being and not doing things? Right? And if somebody, one of you pulls out your phone right now and starts doing an email, everybody around that person is going to feel tempted, right? They're going to feel twitching, like, I got to get my phone out as well, Right? So there's something about the communal aspect of being. We help one another. And that's reflected in this psalm, that the people of God gather together on the Sabbath to be together and just to, to, to relish their being with the Lord. 
Uh, singing and Sabbath uh, has a special focus, and we're going to talk about that. But really, it starts with stopping. Enjoying the Sabbath starts with stopping. Now, I, I take Sabbath on Friday, and unless you all want to start another Friday worship service, um, your Sabbath is going to be uh, on Sunday most likely. But I find that this is a very Sabbath time, even when I'm preaching It's a Sabbath time for me to focus my attention on the Lord. But what I recommend for those of you who Sabbath on Sunday is that you actually start, many of you, by Sunday night, you've got to start gearing up for the week. So kind of like the Israelites did, you you Sabbath from Saturday evening to Sunday evening before you need to gear. And embedded in the middle of that is this gathering of worship where you're with your brothers and sisters in Christ and you get to delight in the Lord. Now, this is particularly challenging for us in this day and age. Past peoples had being time enforced on them. Uh, We have to be very intentional about it, more intentional than just about anybody in the history of the world. We generally just wait less. I'm old enough to remember, you know, a world where lines were the norm. You just had to wait all the time, and it it was just common. You know, you couldn't make appointments ahead of time so easily. Um, People didn't care if you were waiting at the grocery store, so they weren't rushing to get another checker there to make sure that everybody moves through quickly. It just was the reality of life. You had lots of time to sit and wait. We don't experience that, unless maybe you're going to cheese board, uh, and then you experience some measure of that. But even that line moves incredibly fast. And then when we do have to wait, which is rare, we have devices to occupy us while we're waiting. So we're not actually waiting. We're usually doing. So apparently this is even holds true for the restroom. Uh, if you look at the stats that have been shared with me about what people do uh, in the restroom. Um, we don't wait even for that. We don't wait. Stores used to close on Sunday. Um, I, sound, I sound like a curmudgeon here, but... Um, Stores used to close on Sunday, but they don't now. Everything's open all the time. Um, and so, you know, when they did close, um, Jody and I were, were in Europe recently and, and just being reminded in France that stores close on Sunday. You've got to think ahead and buy your provisions because if you don't, it's going to be challenging. Um, and that causes you, the culture is pressing you to rest. We've lost so much of that. So today, erecting barriers... Um, Against doing takes an incredible amount of discipline. And that's why doing it together is so helpful. We need one another to hold us accountable to the call, the command to Sabbath. Intentional stopping is going to look different for different people. So, you know, if you're in an office job uh, all day, uh, every, uh, every day of the week, then for you, rest might be out in the garden working with your hands. Right? If you're working with your hands all the time, then rest for you might be to, to do some, some writing or something that you don't get to do um, during the course of the week. So we've got to figure out what ceasing from labor looks like in a complicated world like we live in. Uh, when, when this was originally written, it was pretty clear what work is and what work isn't. And we, we have to wrestle through that a little bit. My, my, my recommendation, my approach is to, is, is to give myself permission to let go of things that feel like obligation on the Sabbath. 
to let go of things that feel like obligation. So much more to say about this, but we have to move on. A true Sabbath starts with stopping. A true Sabbath is also focused on the Lord. Many psalms are in what's called a chiastic structure, and this psalm is no different, Psalm 92, which means that the main point is at the very center of the psalm. And what's at the very center of the psalm? The middle verse, verse 8 says, But you, O Lord, are on high forever. And that is the essence of Sabbath rest, is to focus our attention and our gaze on the fact that the Lord is on high forever. The focus of Sabbath is Godward. The commandment says, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath, but we can't stop there. Remember the second part, to the Lord your God. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The believers come together. I love this affirmation in this psalm of corporate worship being part of the Sabbath. The believers come together on the Sabbath to worship. The songs we sing on the Sabbath are about God. Our focus, our attention is about God. And some of you are saying, I knew it. I knew there was a catch to this whole Sabbath thing. Why can't I have a day just about me? Right? I mean, there's a little part of us that wants a day that's about me. And the reason that Sabbath is not about you is because it wouldn't be Sabbath. It wouldn't be restful, actually. Here's the, the a, a spiritual axiom that we continue to live into and to understand, but it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around. We find ourselves most fully in God's glory. We find ourselves most fully in the glory of God. So if you want to rest, then look up uh, to the exalted Lord. This is, heaven is not so amazing and awesome because we're there. Heaven is amazing because God is there and out of his goodness and his grace, he helps us to to find ourselves in his being. That's the goodness. That's the glory. I love, uh, Andrew Murray has this, this illustration that I love. At the end of his book on humility, he talks about himself hoping and wanting and desiring that he could be a dust mite floating in the sunlight coming through the window. Yeah, dust my, a little chunk of, you know when you're sitting in your room and the sunlight is coming through and all of a sudden you can see all the dust particles floating in the air? He's saying, look, my goal, my hope is to be like a dust mite floating in the glory of God's light. And what happens to that dust mite though in that light? It starts to shine brilliantly. It was invisible before. But as the light comes in, it shines, it reflects. And the same is true for us. We find wholeness and life and goodness in the glory of God. So I love what verse 2 says. um, And I don't know why I hadn't thought of this earlier. But it, it says, the Sabbath starts with reminding ourselves that we inhabit a world stewarded by a good and loving God. Verse 2, declare your steadfast love in the morning. So you wake up to that, like a child waking up in a healthy home where all the needs are being met. You wake up to a world, ultimately, I know it doesn't feel like it a lot of the time, ultimately is being stewarded by a heavenly parent who is like that, who has all your cares and your concerns. You wake up to that, and then I love what it says, and your faithfulness by night, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, and your faithfulness by night. So before you go to bed, you just get out your whatever, and you start to, your, your paper, your phone, you start to count. What are, the, what are the ways in which God has demonstrated his faithfulness to me today? I've been practicing this since I've been working on this sermon. I put a reminder for 5 a.m. It says, 
God's love is steadfast. It just pops up on my phone. <clears throat> I go, oh yeah, I wake up to that kind of a world. Thank you, Lord. And then at 9 p.m., another reminder pops up and said, says, uh, God is faithful. And I, oh yeah. Um, what are the ways that God has been faithful to me today? And it is so surprising to me how that simple discipline can reframe my thinking. So then we have in verses 5 and 6 some interesting text here. You probably felt the jar when Lexan read it. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. Um, The word translated stupid can also be translated beastly. Beastly. So what I think the psalmist is getting at here is if you want to have a Sabbath that's truly a Sabbath, you need to look beyond the physical aspects of your human existence and up to the heavenly things. You you need to engage your rational, spiritual being. If you want to have a, a true Sabbath, you need to look up and look at the exalted Lord. You need to think beyond the flesh and into the spiritual. One of the mistakes we often make when it's Sabbath time is we think, oh good, I don't have to do anything. And then we just sort of let ourselves descend into fleshly desires and wants following. For me, you know, YouTube has got my number. I get on YouTube and all the things that I would want to see are just flashing up there. And all of a sudden, an hour's gone, right? Uh, and, and, and I don't feel any, because I'm just sort of following. I'm, I'm now... Now, there's some, some space for resting in that way, but it can't be just that because that's just the beastly part. Uh, I need to get my gaze up. That's why coming to church on the Sabbath is important because we're going to help each other together get our gaze up into heaven so we can engage that rational, spiritual side of who we are that's so wonderful and precious, part of our image bearing, our soul, engage that part of who we are so that, so that we can find ourselves in the glory of God. It's a call to look up. This resonates so deeply with me. I can't come to corporate worship on Friday, so I have to be very intentional about this myself. And there are many days, too many days, that I would like to recount where I haven't done this work of engaging my rational, spiritual mind to look up to the exalted Lord, and I end up with an impoverished Sabbath, a beastly Sabbath, and at the end, it's not rest in the way that I hoped and longed for, and so we got to engage our, our minds, this precious gift that we've get, been given, and that is why, you know, church is such an, appro- worship like this is such an appropriate thing to embed in the middle of our Sabbath time. I'm afraid that many of us view coming to church as another chore on the list of the week. And that breaks my heart. Sunday worship is to be a delight and not a burden. I know there's a lot of things that, that probably need to be addressed in order for that to happen, but, but we've got we've to lean into that. I, I keep... I keep thinking, you know, when I drive by the park and I see Hispanic family out there and they're playing soccer and eating food and having a great time, and, and I think, yeah, that's it. That's the picture of joy together, being together. That's what this is intended to be. So whatever we need to do to make it that, let's do it because that's what it's, that's what it's for. Sunday worship is a delight and not a burden. 
Some, I'm told some of us are just coming when we have to serve. Uh, that's, a, that's a miss for what God intends in the richness of the Sabbath day. All right, so true Sabbath is focused on the Lord. And then lastly, true Sabbath leads to renewal. Now, i got to dispense with uh, one element of this really quickly here, and that is that there's a lot of enemy talk in this psalm. I'm sure you caught it, right? The doomed to destruction, behold, all the enemies shall perish, evildoers shall be scattered, etc. And that sounds jarring to our modern ears, no doubt. But partly it's connected to the fact that in order for you to rest, you need to have confidence that God's in control. We live in a unique time where we don't have the kinds of threats that most societies have had uh, all throughout their existence. So to think of it this way, what would it be like to take Sabbath in Ukraine today? You would need to know that God is still on the throne, that the enemies will be vanquished, that, 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 that he hasn't forgotten you. And so the psalmist reminds a people who are probably living in a context like that, that God is still on the throne and that with him, there is victory. With him, you win. So that's an important part. But partly the part that, te- that talks to us more uh, intimately has to do is here in verses 12 through 14. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The result of Sabbath and the righteous here seem to be the people who are practicing God's ways, including the Sabbath in this particular psalm. Uh, the righteous are renewed. And I love the description in these last verses of what renewal looks like. Here's what, a, here's what regular Sabbath does to a person. That's what it says. Here's what regular Sabbath does to a person. It causes one to, first of all, flourish like the palm tree. Palm tree is an amazing sight. Palm trees grow in the most brutal climates and conditions. <clears throat> it's amazing. There's give you just a little bit of water and, and lots of wind, and you will see very little vegetation, but you'll see a prom, palm tree thriving. And you watch it when the, on a particularly stormy day, and it's, it's gusting over. It's bending and bending and bending, but it's not breaking. God says, if you Sabbath, if you practice Sabbath, Sabbath, you will become like that palm tree. No matter how no matter how um, challenging or difficult or brutal the climate of your life is right now. Secondly, we grow. So we flourish like the palm tree. We grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Cedars grow to massive size. Um, Lebanon was always referred to as the land of resources in the Old Testament because they had all these cedar trees. We have an atlas cedar in our front yard. Our house was built in 1910, so it's 113 years old. Excuse me, yeah, 113 years old. And there's this atlas cedar. I don't know when it was planted, but it's an amazing tree. And I I looked up, atlas cedar is one of the closest relatives to the cedar of Lebanon uh, in North America. And this tree is amazing because somebody kept topping it off all the time. And so it would grow to a certain height and they would top it off. And so what, it, what this tree is now is it's got a huge trunk, massive trunk, and then it's got huge 
branches that are essentially the size of a trunk growing, growing off the, the side of it. You cannot stop this tree from growing. It's been topped over and over again, and every time it finds a way. And God is saying, you, Sabbath practicer, are going to be like the cedar of Lebanon. You will grow, and nothing will stop you. The next one is this notion of the court of our God. It, I'm using the word reside here. The palm tree and the cedar, they're not just anywhere. They're in the courts of the Lord, which lends them extra measure of dignity and, and, and purpose. They exist to adorn the very space where God is, just like the dust mite in the light. The palm tree, this, the, the powerful palm tree and the, and, and the growing cedar adorn the court, the space where God is, and reflect the glory of God in its midst. And that gives those trees greater purpose and dignity and value because of where they are. And God's saying, you, if you Sabbath, when you Sabbath, you become like the palm tree and the cedar in the court of the Lord, adorning God's blessedness, adorning God's blessed place. You bear fruit. That's the next one. Not only do they bear fruit, but it says they keep on bearing fruit in old age. They keep on bearing fruit in old age. During my sabbatical in 2018, uh, you know, I, I took this mindset um, of Sabbathing to a new level, and it really has changed me forever. One of the things that I came out of 2018 with was a desire to get to bed early, get up early so that I couldn't just, I wouldn't just have 15 minutes with the Lord, but I would have an hour or maybe two hours with the Lord. And I've been practicing that since 2018. And here's the thing that continues to surprise me. I go into that thinking, I'm just going to draw near to the Lord. That's my goal is to draw near to the Lord. And time and time again, as I'm drawing near to the Lord, solutions for the challenges and the problems that I'm facing in my everyday life pop out of my relationship with God. I call them divine shortcuts. The lesson here is pursue the Lord first. Go after the Lord. Just relish the goodness of God. And out of that will come the solutions to your struggles. Prioritize that presence with God and you will bear fruit. And it will go on. Decade after decade, as you get older and older, you will continue to bear fruit. And then lastly, it says that you will be ever full of sap. In other words, your spiritual activity will not outpace your spiritual resources. This is, a, this is an important concept I've been wrestling with for months. When your spiritual activity outpaces your spiritual resources, you're in trouble. So you need to increase the sap within you. Increase the sap within you. And that comes through renewal, through Sabbath, through spending time in the presence of God. The deeper I Sabbath, I find the harder I can work. Not the other way around. The sap is there uh, because, and it can be tapped into for God's purposes. All right, the end of the psalm is so fitting. Uh, you know, it could be tempting if you really get into the Sabbath thing and you get strong, you get spiritually vibrant and vital and you got lots of sap and everything to start to feel like, yeah, I got this. Sometimes I feel, you feel strong from your rest and your Sabbath. 
And, and, and the psalmist knows that that kind of thinking can lead to pride. So he reminds us in the very last verse what the whole point of it is. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. He goes back to the Lord. And here, here's, the, here's the flow. We flourish so we can declare the greatness of God. We Sabbath so we can declare and we declare so we can flourish. And in the flourishing, we find wholeness and health and life and spiritual vitality that does not end. So God, would you rain down upon us your presence as we worship you Sunday after Sunday, as we seek you together, would you provide for us that sweet, sweet rest that we so long for, that we oftentimes seek after in the wrong places? Would we come to know and to love finding true rest in you, the exalted Lord, the center of who we are, the focus of our being? And out of that, would you fill us with that, that sap which blesses on the left and on the right and in front of us and behind us. Lord, fill us, fill us with your spirit that we might do what you've called us to do, that we might be who you've called us to be. In Christ's name we pray, amen.